Welcome to the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. Hey, it's episode 20. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Whaley House of San Diego, California. Uh, this is a continuation of Bob Tober here at the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. And you know, we're getting down to the home stretch here. I'll, the, the, the next episode in Bob Tober is the final episode of all the month of October's kind of little creepy spooky editions uh that's the halloween special itself that'll be episode 21 coming out on halloween itself yeah so thanks for joining me on episode 20 look at that 20 yeah it's a pretty good number you know it's we're almost uh legal drinking age here aren't we yeah interesting so like i said i'm going to be talking about san diego's whaley house and what a house that is i you know i'm not kidding when i say i have seen and experienced some things in that house that there's not much of a logical explanation for, not that I can think of. And I do want to say this too, you know, before I even started doing this podcast and started talking about like ghosts and paranormal stuff and haunted places, etc., I I liked to go to places that were supposedly haunted, like to kind of be like the little haunted tourist guy, you know, hey, this place is haunted, well, let's go check it out. As long as it's not too gnarly, you know, I'm not going to go to a place where it's like, hey, you got to jump through this fence and run through this, you know, gnarly field to get to this old asylum. That's Because I've seen American Horror Story Season 2, and I know what can happen. Uh, so I'm not doing that shit. No, 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 no. Not me. But that my point is, you know, I'm curious about paranormal and haunted things. And I've been to the Whaley House many, many times, especially... Uh, before I started doing this podcast a few months ago. So there you go. Um, It is a little bit of a morbid side of me, for sure. There's a morbid curiosity, like, oh, you know, like how many people died in this place? Well, my God, like 20 people. Holy crap, yeah, it's got to be haunted. Eh, It's a little weird, I'm sure. But um, I got to say this, you know, of all the places that I have been, and I've been a few uh, places that are supposedly haunted, the Whaley House takes the cake because it's really the only place where I've not only seen things happen, maybe, and uh, also felt some things. But yeah, it's gnarly, man. It is gnarly. And here's an example. I mean, we have a video. My wife filmed it in the Whaley House of a mirror moving in an otherwise like windless hallway. There's no wind. There's nothing like that. And this mirror's moving. The shadow kind of like zips around it. Yeah, it's it's a gnarly place, and I'm telling you, it, there's another spot in the house, and I will definitely get out more to, more to this later for sure. Um, there's another spot in the house where every single time I go there, every time I get this really strong sense of like dread, kind of anxiety, like oh god, get out of here, got to get every single time, every single time. There's another spot where I feel like I'm being followed. That happens. Every time I'm in that spot, it's like repeated over and over again. And I don't know, is it what some of the ghost hunter type people say where it's like an electromagnetic field or something like that? I have no idea, but it's always in the same spot and it's very consistent. So, uh, yeah, that leads me to believe something is going on there. I think it's the real deal. Maybe it could be in my mind. I think so. So there have been several paranormal investigations of the Whaley House it seems that most of them, including, excuse me, uh, a visit by 
at the time, San Diego's own Regis Philbin, yes, of the Regis and Kathy show or whatever the fuck it was called, uh, that he came out of that place saying, oh, yeah, there's something going on there for sure. Most of the investigations come up positive for something going on there. There's a lot of wild stories, so get ready, okay? It's it's pretty intense. Um, now, there is something very special and great on this podcast I'm really, really stoked about. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Troy Taylor, and now I was introduced to him uh, through a book of his that I bought at the Whaley House gift shop, and I sent him an email. Like the, This guy, I really respect this guy. He's a paranormal investigator amongst many, many other things. Um, I have a lot of respect for the dude. I sent him an email and said, hey, I have a couple questions for you about the Whaley House. I'm doing a podcast about it. Would you be willing to answer just a couple very quick questions and, you know, get back to me? And I, I would like to talk about it on my podcast if you're okay with that. And I told him straight up, like, I'm not looking for you to verify that there's something weird or strange or paranormal or that, that you know, you're going to tell me, yes, 100%, Bob, there are ghosts there. I just said, look, I just kind of wanted your impressions and ideas of what the Whaley House is all about. And that's it. Real, real simple. And he emailed me back with, you know, answered a couple questions for me. Super great. Like, awesome dude. Awesome, awesome dude. I'll talk a lot about him more a little bit later. Um, briefly, though, I do think that Troy Taylor is one of the very few, very legitimate paranormal investigators that is active today. He's written a ton of books that are all very interesting. The book that I got at the Whaley House gift shop a couple of years ago, actually, I think it was like three years ago, that was called Haunting of America. And it's a great, great book. And that book is part of the reason why I got more and more interested into visiting places that are supposed to be haunted. Like a lot of the places he talks about in his book, uh, it's this one specifically, this Haunting of America book, I go, man, I'd like to go check that place out because it sounds cool. I mean, it sounds really interesting. Pretty scary sounding also, but like, man, they, yeah, there is possibly something going on there. I think I think this dude's a real deal. So that that really made me feel good that he wrote back to me, answered my questions, and I'll have what he has to say later on in the podcast. So um, listen for that, you know, this little question and answer that he gave me later on the podcast, and I'm so stoked about it. Let's see. So what? there's a band that I'm going to play on this podcast, okay? And this is a, kind of a first for me a little bit. Haven't heard much from this band and don't know too, too much about them. They're called The Midnight Block. And now what? how I found them, I found them while I was looking for a song for this podcast in particular. And I had some criteria, and that criteria was pretty simple. Uh, the song had to be by a band from San Diego because we're talking about the Whaley House, which is in San Diego. And the song had to be about ghosts or like hauntings or something like that, something very applicable. Like I say, you know, I always, if you're a regular listener, I guess you would understand where I'm, what I say, because I always say, well, I want whatever song I play on the podcast to be applicable. If I'm talking about Arizona, I want it to be a band from Arizona that I like. This is kind of a first because I didn't really know of these guys until I did this podcast and searched using that criteria I just mentioned and found them. So they're pretty good. I really do like them. Um, this song that I'm going to play at the very end of the podcast completely fits this 
to a perfect T. Exactly right. Exactly what I was looking for. It's like, you know, Thomas Whaley wanted me to play this song. Yeah, I don't know. Is he behind? I don't see. Okay, no, I'm cool. There's nothing behind me, so I'm I'm good. Okay. So the name of the song I'm going to play at the end is called Halloween Field Trip. You see what I mean? It's about basically like visiting a haunted house, more or less. It's very applicable. The song is rad, too. Uh, this is the part where I'm going to say a few words about the Midnight Block and listen for their song at the end of the podcast, okay? So here's what they're all about. Here's who they are. Midnight Block is Brandon on guitars, Branson on bass and vocals. I'm sorry, Brandon also is guitar and vocals, and Juan plays drums. Uh, Brandon and Branson live in the San Diego area. Juan lives in Tijuana, Mexico. So interesting. They they got a little, you know, they're it's they're an international band. That's uh, I think that's pretty cool. In honor of them, hang on real quick. I'm gonna wet my whistle with a little of the Trader Joe's special I have here tonight. Man, podcasting in October in Southern California is, is dry work. It's rough on the voice, I'm telling you. It's drier than shit outside. Like, it's gnarly tonight. Yeah, anyway, uh, let's get back to the midnight block, why don't we? Okay, so um, Brandon and Juan have been playing together since around 2015. They didn't really get going until Branson was added, or joined the band, I should say, in 2017. Now, okay, first let me say you guys, I'm sorry, Midnight Block, you guys are rad, I love your band, what I've heard so far for sure. Uh, your Brandon and Branson, your two names are confusing the shit out of my feeble little brain right now. It's very hard to find the balance between you two. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. Anyways, I'll make it, I'll get through it. Just gotta remember, Brandon and Branson, Okay. All right, we'll do it together. We're going to make it through this, I, I promise. Um, I did ask them, you know, hey, is it kind of rough having a member that lives in another country? Like, it can be a bitch to get across the border. No matter which way you're going at any time of the day, it can be tough. It can be like a two-hour wait just to get through, right, to go through the checkpoints. And they said, no, not really. I mean, they just, they don't, you know, they, they schedule their practices around when they have shows, Um they sort it out and they make it work. So cool. Good. No, that's great. And they all kind of live, you know, slightly about the same distance apart from each other. I think Brandon said he lives in the East County area of San Diego and Branson lives kind of more towards the coast. And then Juan, of course, lives in Tijuana. So they all kind of meet somewhere in the middle, apparently, it sounds like. Um, so that's good. Now, on the Midnight Blocks, Facebook page. This is one reason why I go, oh, these guys might be something that would work great with this podcast. When it says what they're all about, it says that they like classic horror, sci-fi, and cryptozoology, okay? Let's get some specifics from them. So Branson and Brandon said they're super into horror movies. I am too. All right, guys, good on you. Um, Between them, he thinks that their, Brandon was saying, he thinks that their favorite movie would be The Shining in that genre. That's great. Juan, Brandon was telling me, being a dad, he believes that his favorite movie is Cars 3, uh, currently, anyway, and I completely know where he's coming from, having a child myself. I think my favorite movie currently is Captain Underpants, so really more of the show. I've It's been a while since he forced me to watch the movie, 
Um, yeah, you do. You get stuck where you can't really watch what you want if you want to keep the kid from like just complaining constantly. So, uh, welcome to parenting 2019. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Uh, Brandon recommended a, a podcast that he likes a lot called The Paranormal Podcast with Jim Harold for your podcast listening pleasure. So I'm going to check that out. I have another one I'll recommend here when I start talking about Troy Taylor a little bit more. And I'll let Brandon know about that and let him check it out because it's a great, it's, well, it's American Hauntings by Troy Taylor. And he does it with another gentleman. And it's an absolutely fabulous podcast So about paranormal subjects. So I think you should listen to that too. Now, what about the cryptids? What about the the cryptozoology that he spoke of earlier? Uh, they are fans of Bigfoot. He said they're not fans of the Yeti so much. I get it. You know, I don't like the fucking Matterhorn either. You guys, I'm with you. I do like Bigfoot, and I'm very interested in Bigfoot. Though I don't, you know, think I would ever become like a Bigfoot hunter. Ghost hunter? Yeah, maybe. You know, I'm working my way up to it. It seems like. Yeah. All right. So, good lads. All right. I'm glad you guys like Bigfoot. Uh, for future releases and tours and stuff like that, here's what Brandon had to say. I'm just going to read it verbatim, basically, is that we are currently signed to El Topo Records. When we signed with them, the owner, Carlos, detailed his release strategy. Instead of releasing one album, we release a song or two every few months. He's very familiar with how people are consuming music in today's digital environment, so we agreed to go with that direction. As such, for the next two years... You'll get a new Midnight Block song every three months or so, whether you want it or not. And I, hey, that's actually pretty smart. I mean, I, I like that idea. You don't have to just cram and jam a bunch of songs all at once. Just kind of space them out. That's cool. I like that. I honestly like, I do kind of like that idea. It's novel for me. I mean, it's not the way that I've ever done things with uh, Tilt Wheel or whatever, or that Tilt Wheel as a band has done things, but... Um, I like that approach. That's actually pretty smart. It's kind of like putting out a seven inch every like three months, you know, or something like that. So good on them. I do. I do appreciate that. Um, so the last question is my stock question. The burrito question, the most important question that there is on this podcast ever, because this is eventually, do you know what my goal with this is? My goal eventually is to create a roadmap of the best burritos in the country. And so far, so far, I think maybe I've asked, I don't know, five or six different people or bands what their favorite burritos are and where they are. So far, that roadmap leads directly to San Diego, basically. So I have the massive advantage to getting the best burritos anywhere in the entire world, you know, mere footsteps away from my front door. So God bless San Diego. Somebody bless San Diego. Somebody did bless San Diego with our bounty of beautiful burritos yes that was a lot of bees welcome to the i want to party with bob bobcast okay so what was brandon's answer for he said for me it's ls teca taco shop in la mesa that's where his fa favorite burrito is uh, he did say and this makes complete sense juan lives in tijuana so he has dozens of great places he takes branson and him too branson and brandon i should say when they're down at Tijuana, and that's about the best burrito you can get anywhere. And that's good. There, dude, there is crazy, crazy good food in Tijuana. Like, I I mean, I've, oh my gosh, I've, in Tijuana and Ensenada, like, I've had the best, best tacos and Mexican food, obviously, I've ever had in my entire life. 
Um, maybe San Diego, the burrito-wise, I think might be a little bit better. But, oh, my God, yeah. There's some legit stuff there. That's for sure. All right, so Brandon and the rest of the guys in the Midnight Block, thank you very much. That song's going to come up at the very end of the podcast. So let's get talking about the Whaley House. So let's get uh, the very early history of San Diego out of the way because that is fundamental to the story of the Whaley House. Uh, San Diego has been called the birthplace of California as it was the first spot that European explorers visited on the west coast of what would become the United States eventually. Cabrillo landed in San Diego in 1542, uh, somewhere around, well, interestingly enough, Cabrillo Point. Best view in San Diego, by the way, if you ever get a chance to go down there. um, It is awesome. Or there, up there, wherever you are. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Juan Cabrillo claimed the area of San Diego in the name of Spain. So, the Presidio and the Mission San Diego de Alcala became the very first European settlements in the San Diego area in 1769. There's very interesting stories with both of those locations. The Presidio is haunted as shit, by the way. Um, I will get to those on another podcast. I have all that material all set up. Visited there fairly recently, both locations. And yeah, there's some good stories there. So we'll talk about that another time for sure. Okay. Um, So that was in 1769. San Diego eventually became a part of the Mexican Empire, and then that would eventually become the first Mexican Republic a couple years after it was the Mexican Empire in the year 1821. Now, California became a part of the United States in 1848 following the Mexican-American War and was admitted to the Union as a state in 1850. Uh, Those are the very basics of the origins of San Diego, okay? Uh, the original town of San Diego was based at the foot of Presidio Hill, which is, you know, like I said, that was kind of the very first European settlement in the San Diego area. And that area is now known as Old Town. It wasn't the best spot for a settlement. They One of the reasons they picked the Presidio was its defensibility, right, from the local Native Americans that maybe they would have some problems with. It's kind of up on a hill, so it's a defensible location Old Town is directly at the bottom of that hill. So in some ways it makes sense, in some ways it doesn't, but it was far away from any kind of uh, navigable, I had a hard time with that word, didn't I? Navigable water body. So as far as ships bringing in supplies or shipping stuff out, the closest navigable waterway was a couple miles away, which at the time was serious. I mean, now it's like a car, big deal. You hop in it, boom. There you are, like a couple minutes later. Not when you have horses or you're walking or something like that. A couple miles, two, three miles, you know, that's a half a day's fucking effort to get down there. So regardless, um, in the 1860s, a gentleman by the name of Alonzo Horton began promoting development of an area of land that was closer to the bay, and he would call that area Newtown. Uh, The residents of Old Town started kind of moving away to Newtown because they figured, well, yeah, it's closer to ships. It's closer to all the work. It's closer to everything that we need. And that Newtown is the site of the current site of downtown San Diego. And like I said, Newtown was right next to the bay and shipping. So that's where all the work and everything like that was. So by 1871, all the government records were moved to Newtown into a new county courthouse and that ended the influence and importance of Old Town for good. 
so all the stuff that I'm saying about Newtown versus Old Town, it's pretty important to the story later, especially about Thomas Whaley. So I'll use my favorite phrase at this point. Uh, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. We'll get to it. Yeah, I am going to do a podcast at some point, probably April Fool's Day. Ooh, that's a good idea, actually, where I'll just, the whole podcast will just be, we'll get to that. Uh, I'll get to that a little later. Thank you for listening the end. Okay. All right. So Thomas Whaley, let's talk about Mr. Whaley on January 1st of 1849. 25-year-old Thomas Whaley set sail from New York bound for San Francisco. He was lured by the California Gold Rush of 1849. That trip took 200 days to go from New York to San Francisco. And, you know, we complain about having to fly for five hours to go from, like, San Diego or LAX to New York or anywhere on the East Coast. Jeez, those 200 days, those were not easy, fun days. It's just not like a luxury cruise that was not fun. I mean, that was like a fucking hard trip. 200 days. That's, what is that, like two-thirds of a year or something? That's a long time. Well, Thomas Whaley was no no slouch. He was no softy, trust me. Um, after Thomas Whaley arrived in San Francisco, he partnered with a gentleman by the name of George Wardle and opened a general store. Whaley made enough money working at with this George Wardle fellow, uh, that he was able to open up his own store, which was destroyed by fire by an arson fire on May 1st of 1851. Whaley then headed to San Diego in October of 1851, fed up like, oh, fuck this, I'm out of here, and landed in Old Town, San Diego. Uh, Whaley partnered with a, another gentleman by the name of Lewis Franklin and opened another general store. So, Here's Thomas Whaley, um, owns you know part, partly owns a business in San Diego in Old Town, and becomes a fairly prominent member of San Diego society, etc. and the community. So much so, in 1852, uh, Whaley was Thomas Whaley was a member of a 12-man firing squad that executed a local Luiseno Native American tribe chief named Antonio. Gara. Now, note that Gara was executed in the Old Town Cemetery, which is about, you know, a block or so away from the Whaley House right now, um, or what would be become the Whaley House in the future. So, another very, very noteworthy event of 1852. Um, a, a fellow by the name of Yankee Jim Robinson was hung for grand larceny supposedly on the future side of the Whaley House. So let's let's talk about Yankee Jim for a sec, okay? Because Yankee Jim is very, very important to this story. He's a fixture. He's, he's a key figure in this story. Yankee Jim had been charged and sentenced to death in San Diego for stealing the town's only pilot boat, the Plutus. The Plutus. Ooh, great name for a boat. Whatever. Uh, what is a pilot boat anyways? Well... Let me answer that question for you. On the, you know, hey, here on the I Want to Party with Bob podcast, we are all about we being I, me, Bob. Uh, we are all about bringing you the information that you need to know. Well, you don't really need to know this, but it does fill the story out somewhat. What a pilot boat does is it takes the captain of a larger ship from the dock or from the harbor or whatever out to his ship. 
that's docked, you know, obviously a larger ship isn't going to be right up against the small dock. So that's what it does. It's like a ferry, basically. So there you go. Um, Also worth mentioning, you know, Yankee Jim was part of stealing this boat. um, And he got sentenced to death when he got caught for the crime. There were two other guys with him that got sentenced to a year in jail. So why are they picking on this Yankee Jim guy? You know, that's like that Charlie Brown song. Like, why is everybody always picking on me? Well, let me tell you why they were picking on Yankee Jim. Because there was kind of a reason, really. Um, he was he was a, kind of a known, they called him a desperado. But what it really means is he was like a habitual like thief, kind of a crook kind of guy. Um, and that, they, that was a known thing about him. And San Diego was a pretty small community at the time. And they're like, oh, yeah, that guy was up to some bullshit where he's from up, up in Northern California. So... Um, the court wanted to set an example. There's a lot of pressure from the citizens of Old Town San Diego at that time. Like, hey, you know what? The next guy that steals something, the next guy that fucks up, we need to kill him. Um, to set an example so people stop stealing whatever they're stealing, doing whatever they're doing. I don't know what kind of bullshit they were up to in Old Town at the time. You know, no idea. Um, but Yankee Jim was the the poor, unfortunate guy that got picked as an example and sentenced to death for stealing a boat. Okay, I, I let's we're gonna learn more about him right now, and I, he's no poor, unfortunate guy. Okay, so I shouldn't even have said that. He's not a good dude, not at all. Uh, Yankee Jim was a horse thief in Northern California. Uh, and he actually got caught stealing horses. He had been doing this for a while, too, apparently. And he got run out of a town that was actually named after him. The name of the town that he was living in at the time, like a mob, was coming after this guy. And he evaded them. They were coming out. They were coming to kill him, to hang him, to lynch him, right? He evaded him somehow, and he made it down to San Diego. But then this town was named after him. It was called Yankee Jim's. Um, and it was kind of... Eh, kind of a little northeast of uh, Sacramento and a little southwest of Lake Tahoe kind of thing. And it's still there to this day. It's called Yankee Gems. It's a very small town. But let's talk about Yankee Gems, uh, California. It's a pretty pretty interesting story. Um, what happened is uh, Yankee Jim discovered gold in that this general area in 1849, while he was out looking for a place to stash and corral some of the horses that he had stolen. Oh, good. Okay, so the thief is out looking for a place to stash his his ill-gotten gains, and um, he discovered gold. Wow, lucky lucky for him, huh? Yeah, what's the saying? You know, ah, God damn it, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I want to say only the good die young, but you get my drift, I hope is this piece of shit, you know, is like, oh, I'm going to find a place to hide, you know, these horses that are worth, that's like some guy currently like stealing a bunch of cars, stashing them somewhere and like discovering oil, like, you know, hits a fucking rock and a gusher oil comes up. Oh, wow. You know, this piece of crap just got filthy rich. Good. So that's basically what happened with with the Yankee Jim. So he put a claim on the area. And all around him, word got out, 
and a boom town sprung up all around his gold gold claim, right? Um, so they named it, 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 it grew massively, and they named this town after the, fa- the guy, the first guy with a claim in the area, Yankee Jim. So there you go, Yankee Jim's California. At some point in the year 1852, the people of the town uh, basically found out that he was stealing horses. So, like I was saying, they tried to capture him and kill him, hang him, and he got out. Uh, Well, Yankee Jim, it appears your good luck is running out as it was more or less out of the frying pan and into the fire because on September 18th of 1852... Yankee Jim was hanged to death for the stealing of the pilot boat in San Diego. And now all the while, he was before he was hung, he's up there saying, I didn't do it. I don't, you know, I don't know. And then he was like, well, wait, I, um, but you know, I can't believe you're going to hang somebody just for stealing a boat. But by the way, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Well, th- nobody was taking, this is while there's a noose around his neck and no one's believing this guy's shit at this point. So, you know, while he's talking, blah, 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 um, they started the process of hanging him. And the way they did it is, you know, there's a noose around this guy's neck. He's standing in the back of like a cart, more or less, like a that's hooked up to a couple mules. And the idea is, you know, smack the mules, they take off, and whoever's standing in the back of the cart drops, breaks their necks, and they die. Or they suffocate or strangle to death. From the noose, and that's what happened to him, because while he was talking and blabbing away about, I can't believe you guys are gonna kill me. I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man, and oh my God, how can you do this to somebody who loves Jesus like I do? I don't know. I don't know if he said all that stuff. Maybe he did. Who knows? They smacked the the mules. Boom! Get out of here. And he, <laughs> I I don't know why this isn't funny. I shouldn't laugh because it's really not funny. He's trying to keep his feet on this cart. Like, no, 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 no. Oh, drop. Doesn't break his neck initially, which is the best way to go if you're going to hang because then you die right away. You don't suffocate to death. Well, it took him 45 minutes to die. Suffering the entire, obvious. Can you imagine dying for 45 minutes? Being in the process of dying for 45 That's horrific. Yeah, so he did not have a clean and or pleasant death but um guess who was there to see all this to witness all this so thomas whaley you know upstanding uh, citizen of san diego um same guy who shot boy i'm gonna tell you that story about the native american chief that whaley was part of the firing squad that guy there's a gnarly story there so i will tell that at some point on this podcast i promise it's pretty great so, yeah, Thomas Whaley was there. Um, now, some people do say that Yankee Jim cursed the spot where he was executed as he was dying. And guess what? That spot was uh, the future site of the Whaley House. A lot of people believe that to be true. It possibly is. I'm not 100%. Um, but, yeah, it seems that way once we get more into the story, for sure. For sure. So in 1853, Thomas Whaley married a fine young woman by the name of Anna Delaunay. They had two children in the first three years of their marriage, a girl, Frances, and a boy, Thomas Jr. In 1856, 
Thomas Whaley began building his someday-to-be-famous house made of bricks that he made in his own brickyard. Now, he's a pretty enterprising guy. He really is. He really was a hardworking guy, uh, Thomas Whaley was. Uh, the house, the Whaley house, was completed in 1857, pardon me, at an astronomical, at the time, cost of $10,000. It was said to be the finest house in Southern California. You know, beautiful hardwood floors, all made of brick. And it really is a beautiful, beautiful house. I will say that. But at the time, 10000 bucks. ah, man, you know, I'm bummed. I didn't look up what the value was in 1857, which what it would be today. But I bet you it's up there. It's it's a pretty substantial amount, I'm sure. Um, yeah, and I, I wonder, did Thomas Whaley think anything of like, hey, I'm building the house on the side of where I witnessed this guy die horribly for like 45 minutes. Should I not build a house here? Maybe I should. Uh, maybe the land was cheap. There's a good chance. You know, there is a good chance. Plus, back then, I don't think people cared too terribly much of anything like that. You know, uh, people are superstitious, but, eh, you know, I don't think he cared too much. Now, also in 1857, Thomas Whaley opened another general store, and at that time, he was also appointed the San Diego County Clerk. Uh in this time frame as well, Thomas Jr. died of scarlet fever, um, 18 months old. And that was actually in January of 1858. However, they had another daughter, Anna Amelia, and she was born in June of 1858. So they had, you know, a horrible thing happen. And a good thing, another child was born. Uh, but there's another reason 1858 was not such a good year to be a Whaley. And that was because Whaley store... It was in the plaza of Old Town at the time, burned down, and it was arson again. So I wondered, did people not like him? Was he like a dick? Because he's already had one store got lit on fire in San Francisco, and that made him move down to San Diego. Now, the other store that he had in now, now in San Diego, somebody burned that one down too. I mean, were there a lot of shitheads around back then? There were. I mean... Look at Yankee Jim. He was no shining example of humanity. That's for damn sure. But why did Whaley have two of his stores get burned down within a fairly short period of time? Huh? Maybe he was a jerk, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. We're not here to argue about that, though. So let's move forward. Um, the Whaley's did say at that point, well, you know what? One of our children died here. My store got burned out. Let's get the fuck out of San Diego. So they bailed. Uh, they moved back to San Francisco, and then things didn't work out so great there. Whaley left his family there, and he went up to Alaska seeking work. Well, that didn't work out so great either. So in 1868, the Whaley family returned to San Diego. They had three new children, George, Violet, and Lillian. Now, Whaley partnered with a guy by the name of Philip Crosswaite, and he opened a new general store, on the bottom floor of his house. They moved back into their house that they had built prior. At, you know, they had been gone for, what, 10 years? And the house was kind of messed up, but they fixed it up. He opened another general store on the bottom floor of the house. And uh, also in October of 1868, Whaley rented part of the upper floor of the house to Thomas Tanner, who operated the Tanner Troupe of Performers of Actors and things of that like. Uh, on opening night of the Tanner Troop in the Whaley House, 150, uh, excuse me, 150 
people packed the upper floor of the Whaley House. Now, I've been up there many times, and that's nuts. Like, that is so many people. You know, when you go to, like, a gnarly, gnarly show, and you're like, dude, this band, like, is so great, you know, but it's in a tiny place, and it's just nuts to butts. The whole place is completely packed. That's how that must have been, because the upstairs in this room where they had this little, like, stage and kind of theater area is pretty small for 150 people. It's like, yeah, it's kind of gnarly. It's not that big. Well, sadly, um, Mr. Tanner died 17 days after opening night. The theater did go on till January of 1869. Then the Tanner Troupe disbanded, minus their leader. The County of San Diego did lease part of the downstairs of the Whaley House and three of the upstairs rooms. Uh, they had a courtroom downstairs. The upstairs rooms were used for the county's board of supervisors and having meetings and storage and things like that. At one point, uh, demands were coming from this new town area, which I you know, mentioned very briefly at the beginning of the podcast where I was talking about the, the formation of San Diego and, and its very early history. Um, there was a new town area down by the bay where downtown San Diego is now. Um, the citizens of Newtown wanted all the court, you know, the court to be in their kind of neighborhood, all the county records to be down there. They wanted, like, you know, we need to move this stuff from Whaley's house in this old town to our new town, which is definitely going to end up being the superior part of town. Well, they were right, you know, but that did lead to a very long and drawn out battle between Whaley and kind of, you know, the people of Newtown and the county government and stuff like that. So at one point, uh, the old town, and also the people who lived in old town and were very uh, rigid in their thinking about like, no, no, this is our, this is San Diego. This is our town. Um, we can't go down to Newtown. We got to stay here and stick with what we know and what we built and et cetera. At one point, um, the old town people we're keeping the records from being moved from the Whaley House with armed guards 24 hours a day. You know, so thinking somebody was going to sneak in and try and take the records and you destroy basically the legitimacy of Old Town being a part of San Diego. They were like, no, no, you're not taking shit from this place. So they did it. But eventually, with a lot of drama, I'm not going to get into it. In 1871, the records did get moved while Thomas Whaley was out of town, by the way in the dead of night and they had held his wife Anna at gunpoint. And yeah, that's another reason why they think maybe her ghost is around in certain areas of the house because it was a gnarly thing. Like they came in with guns drawn, like give us all the stuff or we're going to shoot you more or less. Yeah. They had a hell of a way of running governments back then. Didn't they? Yeah. It's interesting. It sounds pretty much like the fucking Republicans today. You wonder why they like the Second Amendment so much. Because they're just itching to do shit like that again. You know they are. Bunch of Wild West motherfuckers, dude. I swear to God. Anyway. Um, the county had also refused to honor its lease with Thomas Whaley. Saying like, he was saying, hey, you guys can't move out of here. You have a lease. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to do what we want. Yeah, later, dude. We're not paying you. And that caused Thomas Whaley quite a bit of grief, Okay. Maybe even to this day, his ghost may still be very upset about that situation. Hmm. I wouldn't blame him. So uh, next in a series of tragedies that bestruck the Whaley family, the very unfortunate Whaley family in some ways, fortunate and unfortunate, 
22-year-old Violet Whaley uh, went through a heartbreaking divorce to a gentleman who was a con man. Uh, his name was George Bertolacci. I'm sorry. Very hard name to pronounce. B-E-R-T-O-L-A-C-C-H-I. Bertolacci. Okay. There we go. Got that out of the way. That took a minute. Jeez Louise. Now, Violet and George had only been married for two weeks. And one day, Violet woke up and George was gone. So um, the tragedy was that Violet committed suicide in the outhouse behind the Whaley house. Now, this was over a year after her husband just up and disappeared in the middle of the night. And that, that was just after the divorce was finalized. But in the meantime, she had become severely depressed during that time. Uh, she shot herself in the chest with her father's 32 caliber pistol in the outhouse behind the house. And this is her suicide. Now, it is really sad, man, like very, very sad. But it, it does build to um, what could be going on in this house because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, right? Um, her, this was her suicide note. Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. And that signed Violet Whaley. Wow, man, that's heavy, right? That's pretty intense. That is pretty intense and sad. Now, that's a passage from a poem called Bridge of Sighs by Thomas Hood, which was also a favorite poem of Edgar Allan Poe's, by the way. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, guys. Yes, sad story, but, you know, I had to throw Edgar Allan Poe in there because that was you know, one of his favorite poems. So, um, yeah. So Thomas Whaley heard the shot. He ran out and he found his daughter dying in their outhouse. He took her into the parlor of the house where she died soon after. I mean, Jesus Christ. You know, it, it, this made me think this thought. You know, you know how some lakes get stocked with fish? You know, they're like, well, there's not enough, like, naturally uh, spawning or, or fish, you know, coming in this lake or whatever. So we're going to throw a bunch of fish in here, and that's what you'll catch. That's The Whaley House is that, but for fucking ghosts. I swear to God, so many bad things have happened all around there and in that very specific vicinity. That Yeah, it's like, dude, like, whatever's going on, that house is just constantly being like stocked with fresh ghosts. It seems that way, doesn't it? I don't know. Come on. Uh, at some point, it, it appears Thomas Whaley did was like, man, you know what? Fuck this place. That Yankee Jim guy really did curse this, maybe. I don't know, but we're getting out of here. So he built a new house uh, at 933 State Street in the Newtown area. He finally gave up being this old towner. Decided, all right, I'm going to move to Newtown. So he moved his whole family into the new place. Um, and he passed away not terribly long after that on December 14th of 1890. Now, Thomas's widow, Anna, and the grown children, Francis, George, and Lillian, all moved back into the Whaley House in Old Town in 1909. They began restoring it. It was still there, by the way. Yeah, totally there. It was still there. Old Town wasn't much of anything anymore but they knew they had this house i guess they wanted to go back to it for some reason they hadn't been punished enough for some i i guess i don't know i don't know uh, slowly but surely the remaining whaleys all passed away and the last family member the last whaley 
family member living in the house was Lillian, and she died in 1953. After 1953, um, the house was abandoned, began to deteriorate, so a group of citizens formed to save the house, and they called themselves the Historical Shrine Foundation. These great people, awesome, awesome people, so glad they did this. They bought the house, and they bought the land the house was on. And they went to the county, and they convinced the county, you guys need to buy and restore this house. So the county did in 1956, and a museum was opened. The house was restored, and a museum was opened in 1960. And now, uh, as of the year 2000 at least, the Save Our Heritage organization took over operations of the restoration and the maintenance and the running of the house, like I said, in the year 2000. And here we are today. Okay, so here's where we're going to get to the good part. The hauntings, the ghosts, the paranormal stuff that, you know, I believe apparently goes on at the Whaley house. Uh, the good stuff. The Whaley's actually seem to believe that the house was haunted, that Yankee Jim was haunting the house because they would hear footsteps pardon me, upstairs when nobody was up there. And they would actually think well that well, that's probably yankee jim hmm, okay yeah i wonder uh lillian whaley in her later years would say that the spirits of the house did not want her to go up into the upstairs bedrooms like maybe there was a force keeping her from going up there could be yankee jim again right there are a ton of strange stories that come from this house i'm gonna try and narrow them down to the most interesting stories. so you know to streamline this a little bit because there are an absolute thousands of stories from thousands of different people about what goes on here. It's pretty crazy. There's a lot of really interesting stories I've read and heard and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm going to talk here about what I have experienced there as well as my wife. And we've seen some pretty strange things and felt some pretty strange things. I would say Um, now, like I had said back at the beginning of the podcast, one of the things I'm most excited about on this episode is Troy Taylor and the email that we exchanged and some of the things that he had to say. So uh, this guy is a paranormal investigator extraordinaire, and he was gracious enough to reply to me and answer a couple questions that I had about the Whaley House. Now, this is what I asked him basically in a nutshell. I said, have you, he's investigated the Whaley House, by the way, he's been there. I said, have you ever experienced anything out of the ordinary and or maybe on the paranormal side in this house, in the Whaley house? And do you feel that there is some kind of paranormal or possibly ghostly activity in the Whaley house? And this is his reply. I'm going to read it verbatim, exactly what he sent me. This is what Troy Taylor wrote directly to me, okay? The origins of of ghost stories at the Whaley House date back more than a century and a half. And I know that people began reporting firsthand encounters as early as 1960 when the house was turned into a museum. During that time, scores of people claimed that they have encountered Yankee Jim, Anna Whaley, Thomas Whaley, and at least seven other spirits in the house. I can't speak for the veracity of all the claims, but interestingly, Many of the experiences have proven to be strikingly similar over time. People have reported the same events and the same apparitions without ever knowing that they have been reported before by people who knew nothing about the house's history 
or that anyone else had the same encounter. Reports of the ghost of Yankee Jim, the unlucky criminal tried and executed on the site, predated the opening of the museum. Even when the Whaley family still lived in the house, they described hearing footsteps, knocking sounds, and a man's voice. Jim was something of a legend to the people of Old, Old Town San Diego, and yet there's no denying that the site of the Whaley House did once serve as the courthouse and gallows for the city. History seems to support the strange events that occurred at the house built on the site. And so has the ongoing history of the Whaley House. When people have the same repeated experiences at a place over time without knowing that they are not they are not the only excuse me, they are not the only ones reporting these experiences, then history provides some very compelling and chilling evidence of a real life haunting. So there you go. Sorry for that little stutter back there. Um, I was skipping between pages of the what he had written. Uh, I apologize for that. But there you go. Let me say this about Troy Taylor. I think the dude is the real deal. I really do. He investigates places like the Whaley House regularly and with a great deal of integrity, I believe. He's not a shyster looking to make a buck, I think. I think he is, in my opinion, one of the top paranormal investigators in the entire world, to be totally honest. He's written almost 90 books about ghosts, hauntings, history, crime, and the unexplained in America. Uh, he also hosts one of the best podcasts I've heard on that touches on paranormal subjects and other things uh, called American Hauntings. And they cover, like I said, a, a ton of stuff. History, true crime, hauntings, and the paranormal. It's such a phenomenal podcast. You really should check it out. I will link to that on the website when this goes up. I could go on about Troy Taylor for a while. I do think the world of the guy, as far as you know, what I know of him, for sure. So I'm just going to throw the links up on the website to the majority of his stuff that I know of that's out there. And check it out. I'd highly advise it, okay? If you're interested in anything, in ghostly things, you know, true crime stuff, history, unexplained things, the paranormal, that's your dude, okay? There you go. Check it out. That's your I Want to Party with Bob official um, endorsement of checking Mr. Troy Taylor out. The excellent resource for any of those things that I mentioned. All right, great. So let's back back to the ghosts. Interestingly enough... One of the ghosts at the Whaley House is a dog and a cat. And the dog, they think, was Thomas Whaley's dog, Dolly Varden. The dog had a surname. It had two names, Dolly Varden, V-A-R-D-N. Huh. So the dog can be seen chasing and also a ghostly black cat in the backyard area of the house where they'll run straight into and through the back wall of the house. Hmm. I it's, ghost dogs are pretty rare. This place is a hot spot. I'm telling you, dude. It really is, dudes, and uh, you know everybody. I should say, not just dudes, everybody. The ghost of Anna Whaley, Thomas's wife, has also been blamed for some ghostly organ and piano music playing in the house, as she loved music. Uh, she has been seen looking out into the garden from one of the upstairs windows at the back of the house and also been seen strolling through the garden area at the back of the house with a ghostly Thomas Whaley in tow. Hmm. It's also said sometimes you can smell Anna's perfume in the house as well as 
uh, Thomas Whaley's cigar smoke. Now, speaking of the upstairs windows at the back of the house, sometimes the shutters and the windows will open and close on their own. A lot of times late at night after it's been closed down, sets off the burglar alarm, the cops call, uh, you know, the people who run the place and they'll say, okay, we'll go down and check it out. Make sure nobody's trying to break in and nobody's there. But when these somebody will show up to see what's going on, they'll hear laughter like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, they think it's maybe it's Thomas Whaley playing a joke. Maybe he's still pissed about like the problems he had with the county of San Diego and like the authorities. And the dude's like a total anti-authoritarian in death. You know, I, I don't know. He's like a punk rocker now, you know. Um, he's like, you know, fuck authority, that kind of thing. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, Yankee Jim, punk rocker. I'm sorry, not Yankee Jim. <laughs> Thomas Whaley. Why am I even? Never mind. Well, let's talk about Yankee Jim now that I mentioned him. Uh, so out of placidly, by the way. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Bob Tober takes it's taking its toll on me. These are a lot of like really long podcasts that I've been doing. I do kind of apologize for that, but you can hear my voice is like wrecked. You know, the weather's horrible, horrible weather. Like it was 90. Oh god, I don't even, I'm not going to talk about it. Let's talk about Yankee Jim, okay? Yankee Jim's the big one. Yankee Jim is kind of the uh um you know, the diamond in the wedding ring setting kind of thing. He's the top of the Top of the shit heap here of the ghosts in the Whaley house, more or less. Uh, he's a big one. Uh, Whaley's, like I said, the Whaley family seemed to think that they would hear him and and uh, kind of walking around, hear his voice, that kind of thing. Other people through the years uh, corroborated that and said, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard footsteps when I was in there upstairs. Uh, the stairs, okay, the staircase. So th- some people have said they think that the staircase in the Whaley house is located on the exact spot where the gallows were located, okay? And when I've walked down those stairs before, I'll I'll get to that in a sec, but what some people have said about walking on the stairways is that they'll feel like a constriction around their throat, um, especially around the ninth stair of the staircase. Uh, People have complained of there being cold spots, the sensation of being touched, and these have all been reported in the vicinity of the stairs. And now for me, every single time I've been in the building, I, when I walk down the stairs, just going down, not up, okay, I get a very, very strong feeling that I'm being followed and being watched. And like I need to get out of the house. Like, oh, yeah, nobody's going, get out or anything like that. But I I definitely get a feeling, like, oh, yeah, I need to get out of here now. Like this, this is not the place I'm supposed to be like somebody's following me like going get out of here get out of here get out of here that's every time going down the stairs I'm not kidding either by the way and it's it's happened like three or four times that I've been in there so um, people have also reported seeing Yankee Jim walking around upstairs and he doesn't look very happy does not look like a happy fellow I wouldn't be either in his situation for sure for sure Also on the stairs, people have reported seeing a man looking down at them from the top of the stairs who looks suspiciously like Thomas Whaley. So here's a little story for you. Uh, On June 25th of 1965, Regis Philbin, 
who at the time had a talk show in San Diego. I believe it was like a morning news talk show kind of thing. Regis of Regis and Kathy Lee, Kathy Lee or whatever show made him famous. You know, that the little excitable uh, gentleman that he was, basically. Um, Regis invited a famed ghost hunter, ghost researcher at the time named Hans Holzer and a very famous psychic at the time in 1965 named Sybil Leake to visit and investigate the Whaley House. Now, they all ended up spending the night in the house with a camera crew, and they were recording audio as well as filming, etc. They held a seance where different voices would seem to erupt out of Sybil Leake's uh, throat at different times, and one of those voices seemed to be Thomas Whaley because he was complaining about the way like the government had treated him kind of thing. It was, ooh, that's kind of creepy. Um, when they were questioned the next morning, they all said, oh, yeah, um, this place is haunted as shit. Uh, something really crazy is going on in there. Now, I'm paraphrasing uh, for sure. I am definitely paraphrasing. But they did all seem to be convinced there was some gnarly, crazy, weird, paranormal, haunted, ghostly things going on in the Whaley house. Hmm. Yeah, what does that say about it? Well, let's talk about what I've experienced there, me, myself, and my wife um, in particular. My son has actually said he's been in there with us. He's six now. Um, he's been in there several times with us, and he said it feels like there's like, he thought he felt one time he told me, he thought that there was like a little girl kind of following around, talking to him. So, and there is supposedly the ghost of a little girl there, you know, that died in the backyard, got like choked, ran into a clothesline and broke her neck kind of thing. It's pretty gnarly. And you think, oh, dude, do I want to keep taking you to this place? But he wasn't phased by it. He said she was like nice to him. I'm not kidding. Dude, I got to say, like, I'm not joking. I'm not doing this for like ratings because there are no fucking ratings for me in this you know this is like you know the podcast is growing for sure it is um but i honestly i am not doing this to like you know do promote myself or make money for myself or do any because i don't make a dime on this um for sure uh this is in no way i'm telling like honest stories as honestly as i can which is 100 percent honest so there you go so, like I already talked about, uh, the the sensation of being followed when going down the stairs in the house. There's a spot at the back of the Whaley house near one of the back doors. Every single time I walk up to that spot of, in this house, I get a super uncomfortable and uneasy feeling like I need to go. Like, all right. You're like, ah, no, this is not a good place for me to be. I need to get out of here. I'm not, like, welcome, right? Um, I'm talking that's happened to me many times because sometimes I'll just go down there and sit around the back of the house and kind of watch the house and see if like the curtains move or if anything weird happens lights and I've done it at night I've done it in the day uh, my band practice is right down the street from this place literally like you know a half a mile away so while I'm waiting for the other guys to show up for practice I'll go down there to the Whaley house park and just kind of hang out and walk around. I won't actually go into the house or anything, but I'll just hang out. So what what I'm trying to say is this is a consistent thing. It's not something that's only happened once or twice. It's something that's happened close to like at least 10 times for me. 
So that tells me something is weird, right? I've also gotten a feeling in the courthouse um, section of the house, like, ew, this isn't a good place either. I shouldn't be in here. And, it, you know, I've had that feeling a couple times. So uh, now my wife, my wife Willow, is apparently like some kind of ghost or spirit magnet or something because she's seen some things that I haven't seen. I've seen the video that she filmed of it afterwards, and it looks legit, dude. And she's not the kind of person to lie about anything at all, ever. Like, she's a straight shooter. She truly is. Now, this is what she's seen. She's, she saw a mirror in one of the hallways in the house moving. And I'll post a, a video of that, a short video. It's actually a GIF where you can see it, and there's kind of a shadow that zooms around that. She saw that, and myself and my son were in another room at the time. She was totally by herself, no wind, nothing like that. And, yes, yeah, she caught it on film. Uh, the other thing is she has a video of some kind of dancing balls of light on the stairs. And, again, nobody around, no reflections off of anything that, that apparently, I don't know, the ball of light thing can be weird because it could be something, could be dust floating in the air and sunlight, like, you know, reflecting off of it or something like that. But it's kind of trippy the way these lights move around. I will for sure post a video of that, uh, no doubt. These lights are pretty strange, and a lot of people have also said in the house that there's balls of light that kind of move around and zip around. It one one case was ball light kind of like was moving around in a room and zipped right up into a portrait of Thomas Whaley right into his face, like it was Whaley's like spirit or whatever kind of cruising around. So, yeah, I got that. There's like you know, possibly some photographic photographic and uh, video proof of some strange things happening down there. So um, one of the last things she told me, you know, we kind of went over this before I started doing this podcast to get her stories, is that she heard heavy footsteps in the master bedroom that is upstairs, a large bedroom upstairs. Not kidding. And that, again, is something that has so many people have said they've heard from the Whaley's on probably Yankee Jim, possibly who knows, you know, who knows now, one, one other thing, my wife and I do have a friend, a mutual friend. My wife knew her, you know, far before I met her. Um, she's a psychic and she is gnarly because she has told me and my wife things that definitely came uh, true. I mean, and she's, she's pretty intense and she's a pretty popular lady around town, I'm not going to mention her name. Um, she does live close to Old Town, and that's kind of important here. Um, not going to mention her name because I don't have her permission to actually talk to her or, or mention her name or anything like that. I did ask her. She hasn't replied to me yet, and I wanted to – I'm kind of on a, a time constraints here with this podcast, so I had to get it out. But um, she did comment one time. I posted some pictures of the Whaley House – and she commented on, we're friends on Facebook too. She's super, super cool. Um, she commented on the pictures. Like I had mentioned something like, oh yeah, here at the haunted Whaley house, you know, or something silly like that. And she said, oh yeah, you bet your ass that place is haunted. So it seems like, and she's a gnarly psychic, I think. It seems that she also believes that it's haunted and she lives like less than a mile away from it. So yeah, there you go. You know, uh, yeah, she's the real deal. I think the Whaley House is a real deal. I think it's very, very haunted based on my experiences, other people's experiences, and there you go. So 
Thanks for listening. I mean, I'm done talking about the Whaley House at this point. Finally, right? Woo. Oh, it wasn't that long. That was that was actually pretty good. Um, hope you appreciated the history lesson about San Diego and the Whaley House. That really sets the stage for everything that comes in uh, as far as the ghost part goes, more or less. That's the way that I feel. Uh, I, I Again, every podcast, I learned a lot. I'm so happy that I get to do this just so that I can, for the information and the knowledge that I get from doing it, it's absolutely great. So I do believe that place is haunted. And I would say, you know, if you've been to Old Town, San Diego, and you've never actually paid to go into the Whaley House, I would say do it. It's not that much money. I think it's like 10 bucks per adult or something like that. So for us, it's like 6 bucks for a kid and 10 bucks per adult. That ends up costing us like 26 bucks for our family to go in. It is worth it, even if you don't see anything or experience anything, or if that's not your bag, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, it's cool to go in because the museum, it, it's rad. There are period, you know, furniture, everything is like set up as close as they figure the Whaley House itself could be set up with similar era furnishings. And it's a really, it's a very beautiful house. It's a very haunted house, but it is very beautiful. So I highly, highly recommend visiting the Whaley House. It's a really, really cool place. Um, so let's get to the thanks here. You know, major thanks to Troy Taylor for his little input. Um, it, really, really appreciate that. That meant a lot to me. So like I said, I will link to his various websites and ways of, uh, you know, finding all the different products and services that he has because he does speaking engagements, uh, books, you name it. The dude's all over the place, but he's the real deal. And I wouldn't, you know, I'm not trying to lead anybody astray. I don't have any kind of deal with him or anything like that. He just did me a favor by, you know, commenting on the Whaley House. And that's, I'm going to leave it at that. I just would like for people to check him out because I think he's legit and the real deal and a solid dude that does a really great job of um, investigating and researching paranormal things, which is near and dear to my heart. So there you go. Um, also want to give a huge thanks to this week's band, The Midnight Block. Very short notice. You guys did incredible getting me the song and getting me the little interview thing that we did and everything. You guys went out of your way to help me out, and I really appreciate it. And I'm very, very stoked to be playing your song on this podcast because it's absolutely perfect for the podcast. So thanks, you guys. Midnight Block, check them out. Links to their band camp and everything will be on the website. And uh, thank you, Brandon, specifically for answering all the questions. You're a solid dude. Uh, thanks to my wife for all the input, the photos and videos. You know, this is kind of the first time on the podcast we're going to throw some you know, what might be legitimate um, video of some strange things happening. And I'm excited about that. It's really cool. And that's all thanks to my wife, the best podcast producer and manager in the world, even though she doesn't, isn't really that, but she helps me out in immeasurable ways. So thank you so much, Willow. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I did use some information I got from a couple of books that were written by local San Diego authors. And I do want to give them credit for some of the information that I got out of their books. Uh, the first book is The Whaley House, America's Most Haunted House. And that was written by Mike Bryant and illustrated by Don Childers. Um, the second book is Haunted San Diego, A Historic Guide to San Diego's Favorite Haunts. That was written by Gail White. 
Now, the first book I bought in the Whaley House gift shop. It's a very small book, but it's great. It's a it's a cool little book. Um, that second book by Gail White I bought at Captain Fitch's Mercantile and the Whaley House gift house gift shop. I'm sorry, and Captain Fitch's Mercantile are both conveniently available in San Diego's Old Town. So if you're down there, grab a copy. If you're interested in this kind of thing, they're both really great. Uh, please remember, subscribe, rate, and review me on your podcast of choice platform. I thank you so much for listening. Happy hauntings. Uh, happy Halloween coming up here pretty soon, right? We're we're in the final days. We're, you know, we're below 10 days to Halloween here. So we're getting closer. Uh, here is the Midnight Block song, Halloween Field Trip. Thanks again for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. Have a great night. We suck into a cemetery.